everybody, and welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. I'm Molly Herford. And I'm Peter Glassford. In today's episode, we connected with our good friend, Trish Bromley, who is the first woman to participate in Crankworks Speed and Style event. Uh, so what does that mean? Uh, I actually wrote an article about this, and we'll link to that in the show notes. But last uh, August, so 2015 August, Trish uh, sort of succeeded at one of her longtime goals of participating in Crankworks. Um, and basically, Speed and Style is a head-to-head event where they go over lots of jumps and do tricks. And, and on whatnot. bikes. On bikes. We're on bikes today. Um, but it's sort of a high-flying thing, but there's also a bit of a speed component to it. So it's actually a sort of interesting discipline where they combine, again, speed and style, and there's a bit of judging and then also a speed component. Um, and you can definitely look that up on Red Bull TV. I'll try and find some links to sort of explain more of speed and style and how that differs from something like a slope style or just straight jumping. It's pretty interesting. Can you think of any other sport that does that? Um, there's a couple different sports, I think, like or disciplines and things like snowboarding and whatnot where that's come more from. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, it, it is. It's an interesting thing because usually you got like your figure skating or something is a, a certain amount of time, um, but you're judged entirely on the execution. Um, or you have something like a moto, like a endurance motorcycle or dirt bike event. Um, I'm trying to think what that's like a hair scramble or something where it's very time based and so that's sort of a controlled time, but you're it's very much against the clock and no one really cares how you look. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's it's definitely a cool discipline. But so Trish went and participated in that um, last just year. Just in the open open field. I mean, I guess there, there technically is no... it's open. There's just no men's or women's categories, but it... there had never been a woman to do it. Exactly. So in that article that I wrote, that's sort of what we go into and whether that's whether it needs to become a, a men-women sort of thing or whether it's just to have an open class. And Trish comes from an equestrian background, so it's always interesting hearing you know her you know background in that and how usually men and women compete together, at least in some of the equestrian disciplines um, and so her opinion was more that they they could probably just keep it together um, uh, which is cool compared to you know a lot of cycling disciplines where you know you have very obvious differences between the men's and the women's fields uh, this seems to be one where women might actually be able to be very competitive against the men i've always said we have more style so well there you go if you combine them who knows um so yeah, so anyhow, this year Trish gives us an update on how that, that journey to you know more women participating, which is you know part of her goal. She wants to be part of it, but she also wants to get more more ladies on bikes. So we go into you know how to jump first time at a bike park, what to do, equipment you're going to need, um, and Trish just is super energetic. Um, you'll hear that in her voice. She definitely. Uh, reminds me a bit of Gilmore Girls and is it Gilmore Girls? Yeah, Gilmore Girls with Lorelai and Rory yeah, with the fast so talking. I'm always super pumped and super amped to ride and just go out and do stuff and make change in the world when I talk to Trish and hopefully you will be too but definitely you'll have to have a ear to to hear her. And yeah, combined, you might need to slow it down. <laughs> combined with my super slow talking and her super fast talking you'll have to play around a little bit but I think it's worth it to get psyched and also maybe make some progress in your pumping and jumping and Slash really want to buy new shoes. We need to go shoe shopping after this, actually. Exactly. So hopefully you enjoy this episode. Uh, Throw something into the comments for us if you do. And yeah, enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. Hi, Molly. Hey, Trish. How are you? Good. How's it going? So good. (laughs) That's awesome to hear. (laughs) Hi, Peter. Hey, Trish. 
you get the uh, the sh- you're moving a shed. What was that? Uh, we're at my parents today, and uh, yeah, Dad had some one of his sheds needed to be shifted. Moving was the wrong word, but we had to shift part of it because it was off center and the doors weren't uh, shut. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, like, sticking some, like, planks underneath one side so it sits up a little straighter? Ah, uh, it sounds like you've moved a shed before. <laughs> Professional shed mover at your service. Yeah. <laughs> we were saying, it's like our dad's collect sheds, because mine has three in our backyard. We've got how many in this backyard? Two? Three, but... Three, yeah. <laughs> the tiny home movement. You can uh, rent them out for $1,000 a month here in Whistler. Yeah, right? No, we've, we've definitely debated living in one of the sheds. I don't think they'd yeah. even notice. They they never. <laughs> <laughs> but where do you put the lawnmower? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So where are you? Last time we talked on the phone, you were in Joyride, and this was uh, last year, early last year. Yeah, uh, or it's late. been a while. Well, I guess almost a year ago, I guess, because I think when I was talking to you for that article. Um, was it fall? I think so. The article was published in January, but I oh, okay. But I think it was. I think it was like late fall. Yeah, like it was just after you had done your speed and style stuff. Oh, I was riding such a high. Thank you for that. That was so motivating to like connect with you guys at that point. I was like, I'm gonna take over the world. <laughs> oh, that's and then good. I didn't. Oh, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Well, so then what's happened in the last year? Uh, well, I broke my eye socket. Um, so I've been off the bike since mid June, um, with like double vision and like head problems and all this really annoying stuff that once you can overcome, you're going to be a better athlete. But while you're in it, it just like sucks. Um, and then that was mid June. And then in March, I still went to Crankworks Rotorua. Uh, did the speed and style there. They had a, they had a girls category for us um, as like follow-up to me doing it in Whistler. And so they invited eight girls, uh, which was amazing. It was a full category. And it would have had like ladders and a podium. And then um, two, two girls like didn't show up. They were really busy with other races, which is totally fine. It was like the World Cup racers who speed and style isn't really their thing anyway. Mm. Um, but then uh, two... Didn't show up, and then three, um, three couldn't get through the course. So it was Jill Kittner getting through the course, like first, obviously, because she's rad. Um, I started getting through it after, like I saw her getting through it. I was like, no, this is doable. We can do this. And then I knocked myself out before qualifications. I uh, was getting a little, getting a little too confident, and got a little wind blown on one of the the well, the boner log, mm-hmm. and uh, knocked myself out and was pulled off. Um, by the medics, they I couldn't remember the three words, so they said, No, you're not riding, which is probably for, like I felt super bad and like I was like, No, I'll ride, I'll ride. But it's definitely good that they were there because I was not in a state to make decisions like that. No. <laughs> and then uh, Casey Brown started getting through the course, so it was the two of them that represented for the ladies. Um, but it was it was a bit of a lackluster follow up to, to what I was like hoping would happen um it felt like there's a lot of momentum built after the whistler one just with like people getting interested and and messages and like just it felt like there was a lot of excitement and then it was kind of like womp womp with like not even a full podium so Hmm. yeah so that's okay uh there was a whistler one this year uh and there were two girls that showed up for the whistler one it was the same idea that 
um, it wasn't a men's and a women's category. It was just a category, which I think is actually kind of rad. Um, it kind of like goes back to, um, if I'm rambling, let me no, know. No, no. Uh, like I used to compete in horseback riding and we were all in the same ring and it was just like, you know, you're an athlete, you compete against other athletes. Um, obviously it's a little different because the guys have a little bit of a leg up in terms of like how long they've been doing it for, but it's cool because, um, it builds momentum and you see them practicing, getting through the course, starting to like get the tricks and you kind of get pulled, pulled along with that, which was really cool. Um, so there were two girls that tried to qualify this year. I don't think either of them did, but I mean, that's one more than last year. So that's rad. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's good. So, I mean, I've seen in your Instagram, like you were at the air dome and stuff. Like, is yeah, that, is so that I current just started stuff? getting back on. I just started getting back on. Uh, I work up there. It's one of my like 18 jobs here. Awesome. I like that you're um, still doing that. Nice. Yeah, so um, I was up at the Aerodome when a few times this summer, just sussing it out. And then um, last week, I, I got back on my bike. I just decided that um, I was kind of sick of not doing anything. <laughs> so I'm going to ride again. Uh, and the symptoms are, are diminishing. So I know it's semi-irresponsible, but it's, it's monitored with doctors. So it's not like a completely naive uh, jump back into the sport. It's, mm-hmm. it's uh, Anyway... Um, so yeah, the Aerodome is sweet. Uh, I don't coach up there per se, mm-hmm. um, but when I'm up there and there are people that need coaching, it's kind of like we're not covered to coach. But um, if there's like, for instance, there was a girl last week who showed up on a uh, a giant rain, and it's just like, well, it's not really going to be that fun for you. Uh, so here, take my bike and let's go work in the back for a little bit, so you get used to like this kind of bike and being on wood and not on dirt, and mm. we're going to get you in the foam pit. So it's cool. So like that kind of stuff that just kind of facilitates play as opposed right. to coaching. They don't really do lessons up there. It's not like a joyride thing. Um, but yeah, okay. that was fun. Okay, so let's let's pull some stuff out of that then. So um, up at the Aerodome, you know, is it essentially like a, a joyride bike park? So, a, you know, an indoor bike park, we should say. Um, it's all wood jumps and whatnot. <coughs> and you just sort of pay your way to get in and then you can sort of jump around regardless of the weather? Yes and no. Um, yes, it's a regardless of the weather thing. It definitely gets busy when it's raining. Um, but it is tiny. Uh, maybe I can find it on Google to see how actually big it is. Um, but it is, it's really not that big at all. It's smaller than like the vert room at Joyride. Um, and I, it's here, 8,400 square feet. Um, oh, okay. So, so yeah, that's not, I mean, Joyride for comparison, which is Markham, Ontario. Yeah, thousand, like ninety. Yeah. I remember ninety thousand, but you could be right. They've expanded into it's a new 100 room. It's a hundred and two thousand, I think, is what it's at oh. now, or like one one five eight or something like that. Huh. Um, so yeah, the Aerodome's definitely a lot smaller, uh, and the foam pit's like smack dab in the middle. And right. then there's a resi line on one side with a step up, and then the other side there's um, quite a lot smaller jumps. So the transition from like the little jumps into the foam pit it's a big jump. And so you, people can generally use it as like, um, well, there's kind of two types of people that go up there. One that are like training and, you know, uh, gonna like land their back flips or front flips or triple tail lips or all that kind of stuff. And then some people who go up as like a, a novelty and just want to jump in the foam, but the rolling is pretty huge. So like they'll get up there, they'll see the rolling and then they'll be like, ah, maybe not. Or their parents will see it and they're like, no, you're just going to ride this jump. Cause it's awesome. a big, big roll in with a big geo at the bottom and then a long straight bit so yeah it's a it's an interesting dynamic but um it was built 
oh my gosh, maybe like 10 years ago. Um, and it was like, I think it was like a training facility for, for one of the local athletes or something like that. That's a rumor, but let's go with that. Um, and then it has slowly developed and the camps use it, SGC uses it in the summer. So it's kind of like one of their properties and they come in for a daily session. Uh, and then I think in the winter, I think, I think, don't call me on this, um, the ski club uses it because there's a trampoline behind the foam pit. So we get like the ramps on one side and then they have a trampoline into the foam on the other side. I was going to ask you that because so, I remember the skier, some of the skier camps I've been, I've always stayed at the uh, Whistler Athlete Center uh, yeah. function. So you get a bunch of the athletes using the gym and stuff down there. Yeah. Um, and I remember that's where they were going a lot of time was up to the Aerodome, which sort of confused me because I also yeah. knew that you could ride there. So there, there's a trampoline that um, we used to have access to because we had a little tramp bike for it. But I think what was happening was all the riders with their like muddy 510s were jumping all over the tramp and just kind of ruining it. And so there's no trampoline there anymore. Oh, sorry, the trampoline is there, but like there's a gate over it and they've locked like the gate to it. So it's kind of dangerous to jump on if you jump on it now. But like the, the skiers take the, the gate off, obviously. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's so I've never been up there for a while. They're up there, but I would imagine it'd be pretty cool. Okay. So, I mean, let's drill in here and see if we can pull out some stuff. You yeah. know, you, you have this girl who's on a, she came on a rain, which is a downhill bike, right? Mm, yeah. All mountain kind of enduro okay. type thing. So that's what I got when I did the women's night at right. Whistler last so, summer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. So first, you know, for the purposes of learning to jump um, and certainly ride in an indoor park or ride, you know, dirt jumps yeah. or something like that, it's not the appropriate bike. Is that what you're saying? Um, yes, and I just put my foot in my mouth, I guess. So uh, being being one to peer pressure, any bike is the appropriate bike. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but um, set yourself up for success. Get the, get like, there's rentals up there and it's like $30 for a session, which is three hours. So if you're wanting to get into it, get on a hardtail because what's going to happen is if you're on the rain with the dual suspension, every movement you make, all the kind of the pressure control, the ebbs and the flows, it's going to get absorbed um, by and changed by your suspension. Mm -hmm. So as soon as you're on a hardtail, A, it's a lighter bike. B, all your movements are going to be, um, like felt more, I guess, authentically, that's not the right word for it, but, uh, your, your efforts are going to equal reactions as opposed to it getting, uh, diminished by your suspension. Um, and it's going to give you a better feel for the lips and a better feel for the landings. Uh, and it's, it's just the geometry is set up for jumping as opposed to for climbing or for right. tech or for, so it's, yeah, the, the, um, yeah. one of my other friends was there and he actually stuck her on, on his bike too. So it was, uh, actually you might know him, Brian Shook, one of the joyride boys, uh, joy 150 that is. Yeah, um, I think I've met so he he had a trek ticket and he took a, he took a liking to her. So they went and they hung out for a little while, but, uh, she, she, like her progression as soon as she got on that bike was like noticeable. So. Right. And so another key thing is that, you know, even just learning to ride, we're essentially <laughs> talking about here, right? Like all the stuff you're talking is yeah. what we do on single track on our cross country bikes is, you know, that idea of pushing into the ground and, and yeah. feeling the train like you're talking about. So, yeah, you know, this is a beneficial thing. Again, if we go to Joyride or to the, you know, all the communities now are building pump tracks and jump parks and all this stuff, you know, if you can find yourself a jump bike, which is basically a, you know, a small 26 inch mountain bike usually... Um, yeah right with slicker tires and 
Um, and flat pedals, I guess, would be the, the other key. The flat pedals is huge, too, because what happens is a lot of the girls come, and guys, sorry, I just coach a lot of girls right now, so uh, no, a lot of people come here. from the cross-country background with the clipped pedals, and as soon as they try and jump, um, because they're used to that, it's not that they have, like, they're cheating, but they're just used to being clipped in, so they'll pull up as opposed to mm -hmm. that pressure control, as opposed to pushing through your pedals and, and doing the work on the lip. They'll do the work on the air, and then it kind of, it's Goes a lot wrong. more awkward. It's a yeah. lot more, yeah. Um, even I was talking to my friend, uh, Michaela, who rides clipped, and um, she can't, like, riding flat for her is a totally different ball game. And, mm -hmm. uh, like, mind you, she's, like, phenomenal, and watching her ride is is like a treat but it's it's interesting that um the technique changes so much and and it's yeah it's huge to get people on flats if they're used to riding clips on cross country no just I, to, I know just it's like it's that. definitely it's different but it's also like to know how to do that changes yeah. I think how you use like you can use the clips and they can help in especially in a cross country or road application but yeah but when you know how to do that it changes like you're able to bunny hop or j-hop you know correctly yeah. you're able to pump with the train um, so I know like Jeff Kabush has been on about it for years that that's something we're doing wrong in early development. Getting everyone on flats now? Yeah. So that the kids yeah. have those years of BMX training where they learn to stand up and pedal and they learn to push into the ground so that then when yeah. they're on single track on their cross country bikes, um, you know, or even just road riding, pumping over a speed bump or something, you know, they're, they're much more efficient. Yeah. Um, and that's like, I completely agree with that. I think that, uh, having the flats and having that basis and, and it, it, it teaches the, yeah, the basics where it's the building block for so many things. Like, yeah, there's no roots and all that, but if you can pump over a roller and, and get that moment of like softness over the top of it, that's exactly what you're going to do over the roots. And if you can't do it over the roller, you're not going to be able to do it over the roots. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's all the same. It's all the yeah. same. And that's the cool thing is that once it starts transferring to everything, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so where else can we go? So you have this, you know, sort of someone coming in first time again into a bike park type scenario, you've got them onto the, the rental bike. Where do you go? Like that's, you know, a lot of the sports, we're looking at different sports in this podcast and stuff. So what we also like to know is, you know, when you're early to swimming or early, you know, first time golfing, it's sort of coming into something, you know, you're standing alone in the middle of this big jump park. Yeah. And as you say, the big rolling in ramps. Um, you know, what do you do? What's our, what's our first time in the, the air dome? Honestly, like? the first thing I do, cause generally people that come up to the air dome for the first time are just blown away by how like huge it is, even joyride. Mm -hmm. And you just have that moment of like, awe. the first thing I try and do is a like welcome them and Hey, like welcome to the air dome. So that they're not just standing in the door and like half in half out and then get them on a bike. Because as soon as they're on the bike there, it gets rid of that hesitation because often, and you'll notice them like, Oh, I'm just coming up to watch but they brought a bike, so they really want to ride, but they're saying they want to watch, so I'm going to get you on that bike so we get the ball rolling, and then um, just have them feel the wood, feel the traction, feel the, if they are on a different bike, just roll around on the flat bits, they see the jumps, they see all this stuff that's probably pretty intimidating at first, everything's new and foreign, and uh, try and find stuff that they recognize, so like, hey, like these rollers over here, this is the exact same as you'll find on like Easy Does It, and hey, this like back area, picture this as like a berm and let's like let's roll around in here for a bit and like feel how your tires and the knobs track on the wood and, and just get them rolling because as soon as you can get that forward momentum and them trying new things and they'll start picking it up on their own but if if they just see it all and it's all new 
the chance of them just sitting on the side is, is much greater. And they usually come up with a friend uh, who's been there before, and then that's why they, they're kind of okay to watch. Um, but the big thing is just to get to, like the momentum moving forward, and then, and then they'll start kind of picking it up on their own as well. Does that kind of answer that? Yeah, I think get rolling is a, is a good one. And, you know, see the environment. I think, you know, bringing a friend and then yeah. finding a friend, you know, someone like yourself that's going to smile at them and get them psyched and, you know, give them some of that, like, direction. Bringing, of yeah, bringing a friend is huge, too. Someone to learn with. Because if you're out there alone, you'll, like, pick something, try it. Okay, cool. I figure that out ish. And then the momentum kind of slows down. Whereas if you're there with a friend, it's like exponential. Like you'll be like, oh my gosh, I just did this. Do you think like you should try this? Like, yeah, you should do this. And then it, it's like the excitement elevates and everything just gets going. And yeah, definitely uh, the sessions where there's more than one person go off. So right. yeah. Um, what about equipment? Is there anything like, yeah. like does, does someone, do they need to buy pads? Or do you feel like most places now that are renting bikes also rent pads? I think everywhere that has like this, this kind of facility, they rent pads. But um, okay, well, uh, if it's your first time there and you're unsure of the sport, like definitely don't buy stuff straight away. But at the same time, a lot of the rentals are not going to like fit as well as they would if they were your own. And it's I, I'm kind of on the fence with like this because yes, you can show up with flat soled running shoes and like you can rent a helmet, you can rent uh, pads, you can rent the bike. But at the same time, it's like if you really want to get into it, as soon as you kind of know, then you want to buy your own stuff because it's going to make you that much more comfortable. It's going to make you that much more confident. You're going to be able to do all the stuff you want to do without your pad slipping and all that kind of right. um, stuff that gets distracting. Um, but you can show up. Uh, the air dome, the rule is you have to have, to have your legs covered. So whether it be with pads or with jeans. Um, Joyride, I don't think we even have a rule like that. Um, but we do suggest that people wear pads. Uh, but there is no... There's no rule because it's such a dynamic uh, facility. There's so many different, right. um, I guess, disciplines. But the aerodrome, it's like you're probably just going to huck yourself in the foam pit. You should have pads on. <laughs> That's, so. That seems reasonable. Yeah. Uh, another thing, though, is that a lot of people wear full faces. Uh, and if that's the case in the foam pit, I suggest taking the visor off. You can get all channel your inner Nikolai Rogakin and uh, take your visor off because if you're landing in the foam upside down or sideways or whatever, the visor is like an extra flack to get caught. And it often like kind of twinges your neck in weird directions or it snaps down and it breaks. And basically, if you're if you're up there and you don't want your visor to break off, just take it off. That, that seems fair. Uh, yeah. You mentioned shoes before. So what are what are the cool shoes to have? for? Yeah. Um, I'm in love with my 510 sleuths right now. Uh, there it's a slimmer shoe. It's a casual shoe as well. So, um, it's not that like big bulky moon boot that you see in like downhill. Um, it's, it looks almost like a, like a converse or a va- like a Vans, I guess. Okay. Um, and I love them cause it's still the 510 rubber, but it's a, it's a smaller foot like last. And so it, it fits my let's say dainty feet mm-hmm. um <laughs> my feet are dainty I have elephant limbs <laughs> um <laughs> uh, and then I also have the free riders uh which are it's a little bit bigger of a sole and I wear those um up there as well sometimes but my sleuths are definitely my favorite for aerodome dirt jumps pump track okay. and then I okay. move the free riders for so, like, like you said it's like a converse or like a skateboard type shoe 
Yeah, yeah. So any any flat soled skate shoe, uh, like that kind of idea will do. Um, for years, I was just buying whatever is cheap in like the discount bin at West 49, which was great because I was blowing through like two pairs of shoes a month, which was ridiculous. Holy. Yeah, well, I realized it was because I was buying shoes at a discount bin at West 49. <laughs> 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 and if I just invested a little more money into a pair of 510s, I've had, I had my free riders for like an entire season last year. And my sluice I've had, I just got my second pair because I wanted another color. Um, <laughs> but I have, I've had those ones since, I think this time last year. And I'm blown away by like how long they've lasted because even my shoes in everyday life don't last that long. Um, but yeah, the any, any flat-soled running shoe, or sorry, like skate shoe type thing will do. Um, a lot of people come in with like a running shoe thinking that this is like, you know, an athletic sport. I can wear a running shoe, like an Asics or something, but the, it's so narrow. Like, yeah, there's a bit of room at the ball of your foot there, but it's so narrow under the arch and there's, there's so much going on underneath the shoe for your strike pattern and for all that, that your traction on the pedal is just not what it could be. And it, it results in, you know, a little bit more sketch than mm. is desired. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, plus the skate shoes just look cooler. Yeah, it's all about how you look. 100%. <laughs> For sure, which is why I wear this loose, <laughs> so that I can look super trendy. <laughs> so you mentioned the foam pit a couple times, Trish. Is that something that, you know, I know at Joyride, it's a lot of the kids love the foam pit. Um, yeah. Is that something, you know, this first time uh, adult, we just interviewed a swim coach in our last episode. Um and, and they were call, calling adult onset swimmers. So if we have adult onset jumpers or cyclists or dirt jumpers, uh, would you introduce them to the foam pit first time out? Uh, yes and no. Uh, <laughs> first, time, <laughs> first time out as in like first time biking or first time out as in like first time to Whistler and they biked in other places? Yeah, I'm picturing someone who's like able to ride a bike outside maybe on the road or like you know, okay. casual cross country, but you know, has come with, you know, ladies weekend at Whistler or, you know, whatever. They've come and they want to try downhilling and, you know, it's raining. So they're at the... For sure. The area. Yeah, okay. Okay. Cool. If um, it's such a case by case basis, uh, I love watching that transformation from seeing something that looks terrifying that they don't think they could ever do and immediately dismiss to all of a sudden like pulling themselves out of the foam with like the biggest smile of accomplishment and success on their face. And I think that if I can help facilitate that like safe transition into that, then that's sweet. Um, sometimes there are riders who just it is too much new stuff. You know, being on a different bike, being uh, on a different surface, being in a different setting altogether, that like maybe it's like a work towards. But by the most part, there are two different roll-ins at the foam pit. So if we can't get them off that top roll-in with that big G out, there is a side roll-in with a different lip that can still get them in the foam. And I think that that is attainable most of the time uh, for someone who does have a little bit of uh, confidence doing some jumps. Um, it's, it's pretty easy to convince people to do things when you start on the smaller jump line and you, you know, build up their confidence like that. Um, because it just, again, forward momentum. Um, but I wouldn't bring someone in there that is like super new to biking because jumping is fairly technical and there are some big roll-ins and some big lips and you want to be safe. 
because if there is a crash, then it's going to turn them off the sport, right. maybe, and that's never ideal. You want to keep yeah. them in it for as long as possible. And the jump is relative, even at Joyride, the small jump's relatively big. Um, I mean, the, yeah. the roll-in, like you say, is actually pretty, like, big as well. Like, it's fairly steep. Um, yeah. But even the jump itself is bigger than, you know, it's, I don't know, you could probably compare it at Joyride, but it's, you know, bigger than the beginner jumps, for sure. For sure, yeah. And the foam pit now this year has, um, is it a six foot lip or? So it's like it's not a small lip. There's there's definitely some up to it, and you're standing beside it. It's taller than you are, and there's no, like in some of the photos, if you look online, it's all there's a small lip that's available, but that's been blocked out. So um, the the options this year are fairly committed, and then there's like awkward gaps in between some of them too. So you you have to know which lip you're going for, and right. and. Uh, be you know confident in your direction <laughs> but no the the roll into there's a a banked style roll in on the one side um but that's for the small jumps and then there's the actual uh like proper roll-ins with the the geos at the bottom that go into the foam so you do have to be fairly confident okay um i want to go over some terms because you have a lot of vernacular um, yeah i'm throwing so. out a Jargon, I so, so that's fine. We always go over, you know, it's no different in golfing or swimming. There's always different different things, right? So uh, why don't we go into that? Well, I was going to come back to sort of the idea of jumping and, and that whatnot, but let's go through just some of the, so you, you mentioned lip. So can you tell yeah. us what a lip is in, yeah. in, in yeah. <laughs> Okay, so the lip is essentially the takeoff of the jump. So it's a nice curve, comes in varying heights, and uh, is designed to put you into the air. Okay, awesome. Um, what about geout? It's that, okay, so I, I definitely didn't take enough science, but it's that uh, moment at the bottom of the roll-in where the bike kind of gets away from you. Um, and I'm, I need to Google the term for geout. <laughs> I mean, um, I, yeah, I think I think you're right, though. It's like when, it, it's because you're going down a big, you know, thing. Yeah. Everyone's felt that in like, a, you know, when the elevator stops at the bottom of the elevator yeah. shaft, or I'm trying to think of another time in life. It's like when you jump down something and you like sort of hit that bottom, right? Like yeah. you sort of squat down and you're just like, Hoo! you know, it's, it's that moment on the bike, but ideally you're sort of going to continue rolling out of it, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and when you're in the joyride or air dome setting, it's just with that big roll in that people aren't always used to. It's it's um, it can be a bit of a shock. <laughs> okay. Um, how about roll in then? The uh, roll in is the hill uh, before the foam pit or before the jump in order to give you a little bit of speed and momentum in order to get over the jumps and into the foam. Okay. Um. What else? Do you have any Molly that? Uh, I think even just uh, before we go into how to pump, uh, what exactly a pump track is for people who haven't actually been on one. Yeah, a pump track is uh, a course track is a course of rollers and berms uh, set up to have a rider uh, pump. Can I use pump in the definition? Is sure. that allowed? Sure. Okay. Designed to have a rider pump around it as opposed to pedaling. And so uh, the rider will absorb uh, and push uh, on the ups and the downs of the rollers uh, in order to generate momentum to get around. Okay. Um, and then, so the whoop is just one of the rollers, so like, uh, you know, the, one of the things you're rolling over, so like a hump on the, on the, yeah. tra- hump on yeah, the trail. Yeah, like a, or on a the... speed bump or something like sure. that, and it's, it's uh, essentially just that. Okay. 
Okay, and then I think the last one then is a berm. Yeah, a berm is a corner, like a bench corner. Uh, so you can kind of ride up on the side of it as opposed to it just being a flat corner like you would see on the streets. Right. Okay, very cool. So uh, how to pump is something that, you know, I work on people with, but it's, it, it's, it can be tough sometimes, especially if you have some of these adult onset jumpers we're talking about. You know, people mm -hmm. who have been using clipless forever, people who, uh, you know, always sit down. Um, so, so how do you go about getting someone pumping? Yeah, that's actually one of my favorite lessons. Um, I did a lesson on a pump track just two weeks ago, and it was so great. The first thing I do is get them to the pump track, obviously. Uh, so we're at the pump track. <laughs> um, lower the stance a little bit so that uh, they have access to the range of motion. A lot of times when we're trying something new, we stiffen up and are a little too tall. Um, but if you do just lower that stance, uh, you can bend your elbows, you can bend your knees, you can soften your hips and your, and your ankles. Uh, which will allow the bike to move more underneath them. And then once the bike is moving separate to their like body, essentially, um, you can start adding in the pumping. But it's getting that split first and getting them comfortable and the bike freely moving underneath them that is, is the first step. Um, because once that's separated, they can then uh, add more power to it. But if, if there is a separation, it's kind of hard to get the idea of pumping down. Um, so feeling out the ups and feeling out the downs and and just letting letting them roll around is, is my first go-to when you're going to a pump track. Okay. Uh, I always like, like, have you ever had any luck or, you know, people where you've compared it to other sports or a, like a certain feeling or a keyword that you use to help people? Yeah. So, <laughs> um, well, before we even get on the bike, I'll have them, uh, like, get in, like, a basketball or a volleyball stance just so that they're their knees are bent, their hips are bent, their arms are like forward and ready, like they're ready to like catch a ball or something like that. Um, and then as soon as they're on the bike, uh, if they're a horseback rider, it's the easiest lesson ever because they've got it immediately. Um, because they're already used to that two-point position. They're used to having the softness in their hands and being able to like drive through their feet like they it would be in stirrups. Um, and then the other thing that I really like that the girls really get is uh, feeling if I could, like I tell them about the trying to feel their ponytail flying on the back of their, like if it's out of the back of their helmet. Um, it kind of gives, it gives a visual. And so if I say like, you know, that feeling where your ponytail is like flying through the air. So they'll, they'll really drive into the roller uh, at the, that bottom bit there. And then they'll get soft and let the bike come up underneath them over the top of the roller. And if they can get that feeling on the pump track, then the transition into the jumping lesson is super easy. Um, and then, yeah, and it's fun to take pictures of that moment too because everyone's ponytails are in the air. It looks like they're going really fast. So awesome. That's, oh, a, that's such that. a great answer. That's what I was hoping. Because yeah. <laughs> I've never thought of the ponytail analogy. So that's, <laughs> that's good. Um, yeah. Scientific terms. The ponytail floats. <laughs> yeah. A ponytail effect. And so I think yeah. that's, I mean, I think that's, the reason that this is so important, why these flat pedals, why going to a jump park or a skate park or, and then learning how to pump is because like you say, once you get this, I would say anything is, is easier, but it's the next oh, step 100%. is jumping. The next step is jumping, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I've, I guess in the past described myself as like a lazy rider. Um, so we, our ponytails are flying. We're, we're pumping a little bit. Um, what I'm wondering now is, you know, jumping, um, how do you then progress someone towards jumping? Do you do that in the pump track or where are we going to go from there? No, like, as soon as you're pumping around and feeling that, um, that flying ponytail, uh, and you can get around the pump track without pedaling, I'll bring them to the jump. So I dry it, it's easy. 
uh, here in Whistler, it's super easy because there's a pump track right at the end of the dirt jumps. Uh, even in the bike park, it's pretty easy because there are trails with rollers at the top that progress into jump trails at the bottom. So it's pretty, pretty sweet, pretty uh, progression focused. Um, so just bring them right over the jumps. Uh, I'll walk them if it's on the way, kind of by the jumps, um, or uh, give a quick little intro to one on the side or, or something like that. That just explains um, a quick uh, basics of the jump. So show them the lip, show them the, the like exact takeoff point, show them the table on the, the top and tell them that, you know, this is, you can land on this, show them where the knuckle is, show them the landing, um, and then do a demonstration uh, so that they can kind of see how it looks. My favorite thing to do as well is after the pump track, bring them to the side of the jump so they see that side profile and then show them the arc of exactly where that roller would be uh, and say, this is the exact same as a roller. You're gonna do everything the same. You're still going to you know, look ahead. You're still going to push through your pedals in, that, um, in the lip. You're still going to get soft over the top. Let your ponytail fly right here. And then you're gonna like spot your landing, everything that you do on the roller, but now the top of the roller is just cut off. And we're just gonna bring that feeling through without that top bit of dirt there. Um, and that's, as soon as they make that connection that they've already done it, it becomes that much easier. Um, I still have everyone roll through it the first time though before getting air so that they can feel the lit, feel the landing, feel the track, feel how fast the dirt rolls, feel what their bike does when it kind of clunks over the top. Um, have them do it slow too, so there's someone in front of them maybe crashes, they can absorb the lip as opposed to launching off of it. Um, and then once you can do that, then you can start adding the air, which is a pretty cool feeling. Mm -hmm. What would you do, you know, sometimes you'll see people, they almost, it's almost like a drop off, but sort of launching straight out from the jump versus what I would call like a leading with your front wheel. So front wheel goes up and the front wheel comes down and sort of hits the landing first. Oh, that like flat? Yeah, so rather than sort of coming up and then sort of all in your J-hop motion, right? So the front wheel is landing on the transition yeah. or yeah. leading onto the transition. When you have someone who's almost leading with their rear wheel onto the transition, like they're landing almost in a wheelie and like slapping the front wheel down. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, I'd take them back to the pump track. Uh, I'd get them a little bit more centered over the bike uh, so that um, so that their front end is... is a little bit more uh, controlled. Uh, generally, if they're landing with their rear wheel first, they're a little bit too far back, maybe a little hesitant, and they're not bringing their front end down over the over the jump. So remind them that once they're in the air, they still have to kind of pump down the backside. Right. Um, but but it's all about like again safe progression and building that confidence. So have them get those feelings on the pump track where they're centered, where they're balanced, where they can uh, you know their elbows are up and they're driving. Uh, down that backside as well and then hopefully ideally it would correct uh, the imbalances back on the jumps and they'd be able to uh, centered and, and balanced they'd be able to to get air uh, mm -hmm. and land with both wheels first on the top of the jump and then they can they can work towards making the backside um, often it is maybe they're just trying to get too much air too soon and, and just think about um, you know when you're dropping how you want that like single sound of both wheels landing at the same time same mm -hmm. with jumping and so just have them go up the lip land on the table part with both wheels and then they can kind of add a little more speed and think about hitting the backside right no I like the the pumping bringing it back to sort of pumping down the backside and yeah even, even setting that front wheel down sometimes right like to yeah get the landing 
Um, have you ever tried putting like a, a shirt or something on top of a roller on top of a whoop and, and having someone try and pop over it like in the pump track or on a whoop? I've never done anything like that um, because I don't have very many shirts. <laughs> um, but that's a good idea. I have done. What have I done? Like I've a done stick like, would be the same thing. Yeah, yeah I've done. Peter made me do it cards. with my own jacket, though. That was mean. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was a good oh, jacket too. Yeah, it was a really yeah. nice jacket. She jumped so. though, so if anyone's looking to get up, the, up you got to up the you got to up the stakes. Yeah. 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 But like your lunch on the jump, so that yeah. you, if you want to eat, you better jump. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, well, one of the things uh, here in the bike park that we're taught to teach is the credit card errors. Uh, so it's about the, the height of a credit card, and that gets the idea of jumping, the idea of getting air without the going, you know, to the moon. Um, and that's a good visual for people as well, because everyone knows how big your credit card is. Um, and then the other thing that I would do at like Joyride or something on the flats, uh, is just like the front wheel lifts and the rear wheel lifts over a pool noodle or over a two by four. Um, because it's just, again, something visual just to get over. Um, but I've never worked with anything over the rollers. I've kicked lines in the dirt before as well. Just so like, this is, if this were a jump, this is where the lip would be and this is where the knuckle would be. But uh, I like that idea of putting something visual on the rollers, too, so they can see it. Yeah, and very similar to your idea of it's the exact same as a J-hop or a bunny hop yeah. on flat ground, as long as you're leading with your front wheel. Um, I think I want to take a lesson from you and like learn all these new techniques. Well, this we might is... need to trade back and forth. <laughs> For sure. Uh, I'll work on my ponytail, and then we can go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll awesome. get you a wig. Halloween's well, that's, that's coming. That's a date. Whether... Good witches one. So that yeah. brings us in here. So what's where are you? Have you, you know, you're potentially can you say where you're going in 2017 or does it sort of i, mean, all... I wasn't putting my foot in my mouth this is don't i um i like have these delusions of grandeur and then i uh, crash um so Welcome right now racing. yeah i know right um right now i can not actually confirm much uh, my lease ends at the end of september and i might have my apartment for the winter if I have my apartment for the winter, I find out hopefully soon, then I'll be in Whistler for the winter and doing trips to like the Coast Gravity Park and all that fun stuff. Um, but if I don't, then I'll be back at Joyride, uh, which is amazing and I can't wait. Uh, regardless, I think I need to come do a week or two there. Um, and then still heading out to New Zealand in March for Crankworks Road Aurora, uh, working for the BC Bike Race this year. So... Um, I'll be back in BC definitely in July for that. Um, there's a new stop to the Crankworks tour happening in Andorra, I think. Uh, I should know this. It's my job. Um, <laughs> but it's, I think, the same time as the BC Bike Race. So that's going to be interesting. And then back again in Whistler for next summer. So probably May through August, September. Uh, but again, there's a lot up in the air right now, depending on whether I get my apartment or not. So okay. we'll it, see. It, so is the objective to race, uh, some more speeds and style? Yeah. I mean, the objective is to like continue to see what my limits are, um, and, and build momentum and, and just kind of keep saying yes to these things. I've been given so many opportunities that, um, I, yeah, I, a don't want to waste B feel like, I, you know, I, I have to take these and I have to run with them because, um, like I've been, I've been given these opportunities where I, I can play in the Sweden style and I'm allowed to, and I have these amazing facilities around me that allow progression. And I'm surrounded by these inspiring riders who help me with all these tricks and all that. So, 
um, one of the girls that I know on Instagram and Facebook, as silly as that sounds, I finally got to meet in real life uh, during Crankworks, and she suggested La Poma in Spain for a little bit, and now I'm like looking up flights to Barcelona for January, February, and um, it'd be so cool just to 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 do that. Um, but yeah, uh, I think I rambled and got off track. Um, yeah. I no, forget I like where it was. <laughs> I did. Uh, I got to go to Girona in Spain for like a week and a half last January, and it was the coolest thing ever. Oh, where? Um, what was that for? Uh, so I was traveling with Jeremy Powers. I was his team manager. So he was there for cyclocross stuff, or he was in Belgium for cyclocross. But we decided we needed some sunshine, so Girona <laughs> train for a week, and I was lucky. I had somebody that lent me a bike and could actually ride, and so good. Oh, that's so rad. Yeah, and, and also, Sunshine, you bring that up. I mean, seriously, Toronto, <laughs> Toronto was miserable in January, February. Yeah. And Spain is definitely so much cooler than that. So mm-hmm. it'd be really cool to, to be a, in that side um, of the world. And, and, I mean, just surrounding... Okay, this is going to sound so geeky and fangirly, but there are just so many riders that I see over there, um, like on the female side, mm-hmm. that just like, oh my gosh, like if... if you can just like soak all that in and, and be part of that growing momentum. It would just, it'd be so cool to be a part of all that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I think that's, that's awesome. It sounds like you got a lot going on and yeah, some lots of doors and opportunities and yeah. just Yeah. Trying really hard. So hopefully, well, hopefully take it easy on yourself. Don't, it sounds like yeah. you're, you're doing the nice <laughs> progression back. I think you're lucky that you have that, you know, that air dome sort of let you ease into your, back yeah. into your sport and stuff I think and some amazing doctors as well and it's it's funny just having that that help and then also like this town everyone here has had an injury of sorts and so I mean they all have their stories and and their ways of supporting healing and it's important to surround yourself with people both in the successes when we're feeling great about you know podiums and all that but it's also important to be surrounded in the injuries because people do isolate themselves and go through it alone and that's not necessary so Anyway, yeah. that's yeah. yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully next summer we'll see you in Whistler. We're still <laughs> we're still kind of sorting out plans, but yeah. Where were you guys this year? Well, we got married, so that sort right. of okay. put a bit yeah. of a curtail. Congratulations, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that unfortunately coincided with the the Canada Cup race at Crankworks, so that was, you know. You pretty much couldn't plan a wedding that wasn't going to interfere with some race. So, yeah. So, um, you could have pulled a tippy and done it at the top of the mountain during Crankworks when all the homies are in town. That's, That's true. Yeah. That's Our true. parents might have killed us, but. Oh, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. But yeah, I think next year, if, if things go according to the plan we're sort of working out now, we'll be in Whistler for a few weeks. So. Oh, way. Yeah. yeah. We're toying with the idea of doing Iron Man. Um, oh. Yeah, <laughs> she went from like really stoked to just like ugh, ugh. Yeah. No, no, that was like it was stoked, but it was like a oh my gosh, you guys are insane! Like yeah. oh no, that's that's like the first quarter of the plan. The plan is to do uh, we would come out and do Iron Man, then we'd do the Wanderlust Festival, then we'd try to do Seaweeds for the half marathon, then do Crankworks for the XC and one of like the downhill things. You guys should make it a little bit longer of a trip and come do BC bike race as well. Yeah, because it's in. Late. End of July? No, it's earlier, though. Isn't it, Trish? Yeah. June. Beginning of July. Okay. Uh, 
Uh, I think it's seventh. It starts in the seventh or something like that. I should know this as well. Okay, maybe because I mean nationals are in Canmore, so maybe we'll just come out for the whole summer. Just do it. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Beauty Breaker is perfect way to get ready for nationals. That's it. More, more for Iron Man. It's like Iron Man. Sure. You just swim a bit every day. <laughs> oh yeah. man. Yeah. I might have to add that to the list. Well, it's settled then. Yeah. yeah. There we go. Yeah, we've planted. It's out there in the universe. Trish knows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I mean, if you have any connections with like the Iron Man people or something like this, why would or... Trish have connections? She's with the a, Iron Trish Man knows people. everyone. I, I've actually I've actually volunteered for the Iron Man in the past. Oh. So I yeah. yeah. She's got great. a lot of jobs. Yeah. <laughs> I do have a lot of jobs. Yeah. And okay. the jump park's <laughs> near the water. I think isn't it near the lake? The, um, well, I live right on the lake that they swim across. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You oh, can... it's so exciting. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, well, I think that's good, Trish. I think we got lots of good stuff, but we also got to catch up a little. But definitely let us know if you do end up back for a week or for the winter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Here, here in Markham, uh, or in Ontario, I should say. We're not in Markham. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, I'm thinking I might be back in October no matter what for like two or three weeks. Okay. Um, but then, yeah, I don't really know how the rest of the winter will unfold. Awesome. But we'll, we'll see. Okay, All the I think I'll yeah. probably be around for some of that too. So touch base for sure. I'd love to get yeah, together and we sure. can do some riding down we can there. Start and then on the ground and jump over them. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Perfect. All right. Thank you so much for making time, Trish. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate this. Love it. Of course. Thanks, Trish. We'll talk to you soon. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. As always, thanks so much for tuning into this episode of the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Uh, Please let us know what you thought about it, how it's impacted you or changed the way you're training. Uh, You can let us know in the comments over at consummateathlete.com or you could let us know over Twitter at Molly J. Herford and at Peter Glassford. And of course, if you liked the episode, please leave us a review over in iTunes. That would be super helpful. Uh, Thanks so much for tuning in. Have a great week and we will see you next time.